Hello everybody and welcome back to Rowan and the Wasteland. My name is Rowan Wood and joining me as always, he's got red on him. It's Shane Kanto, ladies and gentlemen. It's blue. Can't you see? Um, so this is our 40th episode. Um, yes. we're, we're nearing the one year mark, which is just absolutely wild to me. Um, oh my. But the, yeah, we've, <laughs> we've been talking about this for a while. Uh, and today we're going to talk about some of my favorite movies of all time. And to do that, of course, we had to get a guest. Um, and that is our good friend from Sif Pop. He's not Judge Judy and Executioner. It's Mike Hilty, everybody. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Of course. Happy to have you. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, Shane, what are the movies, yes, plural, movies we are talking about today? We are branching out, and we're going over a whole trilogy of films, and that is the Cornetto Trilogy from Edgar Wright, from Shaun of the Dead to Hot Fuzz to The World's End. And just thinking about it makes me wish there was more. But probably won't get there, but at least we get these three, and we get to talk about them today. Yeah. Do you think there should be more, or do you think it's good with just the three? Like... I'm happy, obviously, with the three that we have, but, like, it's one of those kinds of things, like, I could just, the the trio of Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost, like, I could just keep watching them work together over and over and over and over again, and I'm sure it would still be excellent, but, you know, if we only get these three, wow, what a a trio of movies we got. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, Mike, this was your first time watching all three of these, right? Uh, First time watching The World's End. Uh, I've seen Shaun of the Dead a long time ago. It's been a while Mm -hmm. since I revisited. And I really like Hot Fuzz. So Hot Fuzz was one that I had watched a long time ago. So um, it's been a hot minute since I've watched all three of these, but um, finally got those on Letterboxd not too Mm -hmm. long ago um, as I rewatched it this past weekend. Very nice. Yeah, this was um, probably my... I, I, I don't even know how many times I've seen these movies, to be entirely honest. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and Shane, I assume you as well, you, you, you've seen these a bunch of times. Not gonna lie, I had a lot of screeners this week, and I'm like, I've watched all three of these so many times, I don't even need to rewatch them at this yeah. point. So I, 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 I've rewatched I'm pretty Shark. confident. Yeah, Shaun of the Dead and World's End I watched a couple of months ago for other reasons, and so I just rewatched Hot Fuzz uh, yesterday, which is good because I'm I have a goal this year to rewatch my uh, my 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 top hundred favorite movies, which might give you a guess as to where some of these rank in my uh, in my overall uh, favorites. But um, yeah, I guess we don't really have a particular plan of of of, of talking about them, so I guess we could go through um, and and just talk about briefly about each one and then the trilogy overall. So I guess we could start with Shaun of the Dead, uh, released in 2004. Um, I guess, Shane, we'll start with you. Thoughts on Shaun of the Dead? So what was funny was the first time I ever watched this was after my mom's friend and her whole family building this up over and over and over again, because apparently they watched it and absolutely loved it and just started randomly quoting it all the time. I'm like, what the heck is this movie? <laughs> and at this point, I still wasn't watching like horror movies a whole lot because, you know, I'm a big baby. Um, <laughs> but it was, they would just be like, Pete? Like yelling upstairs, basically, <laughs> because of that whole scene in the film yeah. um, with the roommate. But like this, it's hilarious. It really works as a zombie film. You care about these characters. And, you know, like, Sean is that kind of person where it's just, like, kind of stuck in Arrested Development and obviously being dragged down by his best bud, uh, played by Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, obviously, playing Sean. There's just so many, like, this was the dawn of so many of Edgar Wright's like really famous gags, you know, the whole thing in his writing where he gives away the whole entire plot of the movie within like the first 10 minutes and you don't even know it. Um, And, you know, you have the moments where just like they, they briefly meet their doppelgangers, which was hilarious. And, you know, it's 
legitimately creepy at times and also has one of the greatest uses of this Queen song ever. Don't stop me now. Um, while synchronizing beating the crap out of a zombie with a bunch of pull cues. It's one of those kinds of things where it's like it has so much fun in it. But it also, and obviously this is a running theme of all three of these movies, it knows how to have fun with a genre and then also knows how to make a great film in said genre. And this kind of just sets the tone for it. Yeah, I think that goes for all of these, honestly, all, 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 all three of these, because each one is sort of poking fun at a particular genre while also simultaneously being some of the best that the genre has to offer, which is crazy and mm -hmm. almost, almost never, ever happens. Um, Mike, your thoughts on uh, Shaun of the Dead? I largely agree with everything that Shane said. I resisted watching this for a little while because the hype just amongst my group of friends was was there. And mm -hmm. I don't want to say I didn't trust my friends uh, with some of their movie recommendations, but sometimes when something is so overhyped, uh, it just cannot meet expectations. Mm -hmm. And that's unfair to do that, but hey, it is what it is uh, with that. So um, I finally watched it, and I was just surprised at, number one, how funny it was, because I think up until that point, I, I hadn't watched any of Edgar Wright's movies because I think I had waited a little bit to to watch this, but the just the whole subversion of the the zombie movie genre in general is that it doesn't play out exactly how how you think it does. And it really focuses a lot on I think the thing that I loved about this the most was that it focuses in on these specific relationships. Uh, the zombies are more of a afterthought. And the I think the first like 20 20 ish minutes where you know sean is going about his day just you know taking care of stuff and um everything is just in the background i thought that was genius the way mm -hmm. that, that that it's set up because you see all of this stuff going on in the background and there's concern but you don't think it's actually going to affect these people but then you're you start to care about them because of the foundation that like all of these relationships are built on, you know, between Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, but also just even Sean and his his parents as well. Um, that got me good when mm -hmm. upon like rewatching this, and I was like, oh, I I don't remember that part as much as I did when I first watched this, but watching it now is like, wow, okay, there is a shocking amount of heart in this that I was not expecting, and something that you know. Is does lack sometimes with zombie movies that mm -hmm. you you care about these people but you don't care about them that much because you want to see you know the action from the zombies but just that's what Shaun of the Dead just does so well is that it gets you to care about these peoples and the relationships that they all have with one another too. Right the uh, the characters are interesting as well as the the story and that's as you mentioned something that's missing from a lot of zombie movies and horror movies especially i think especially in the modern age when when you get the occasional uh you know like uh get out or 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 you know interesting engaging horror movie that engages with society and, and themes and stuff like that but then for every one of those there's 20 you know subpar slashers that don't care about the characters and only care about showing gore and 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 uh dead bodies and, and Shaun of the dead satirizes that while also embracing it which is something that is rare and something that all 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 three of these movies do um but uh, yeah anything more to say on Shaun of the dead before we move on to hot fuzz which is <clears throat> my personal favorite i just want to say david could go to hell <laughs> <laughs> i hate him so much <laughs> and also i think just the sheer impressive filmmaking in this movie, the whole entire sequence with him going to the convenience store when things have already gone sideways and just seeing how everything's playing out in the background. It's genius, I think. Edgar Wright, these three movies, I think, collectively, are some of the best directed things I've ever seen because... Everybody is on board. Everyone understands the assignment and everyone knows what they're doing, especially the people behind the camera. I think they are like 
of course, in any movie, the real MVPs, but here especially, I think, because there's so much that needs to go into making every shot pretty much come off perfectly. And, and especially in, in these three movies, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of longer shots and a lot of uh, complex shots, I guess, would be more accurate. And every single one of them is pulled off flawlessly. So, yeah. Um, moving on to Hot Fuzz, uh, which, while Shaun of the Dead parodied um, zombies, uh, zombie and horror, <clears throat> Hot Fuzz is an action film uh, satire. And it may be actually one of my favorite action movies, uh, just in terms of content. Um, ever because it's not just an action movie. Uh, this is, as we mentioned a couple years uh, years ago, weeks ago. Uh, this is a cult movie as well, uh, a, a a cult movie, and uh, in, in my opinion, one of the funniest movies ever made. Um, every single line in this movie still makes me laugh uh, after seeing it as many times. Um, and uh, yeah, I actually wrote a paper about this for my final paper for an action. Uh, genre film history class I took last year. I wrote the final paper about uh, Hot Fuzz and just talked about um, how it, it perfectly captured um, uh, many people's feelings about action movies while also creating an action movie that those people can also now enjoy because it is pointing out the things that they might not like about some other um, action movies. But Mike, your thoughts on uh, Hot Fuzz? Uh, Hot Fuzz is also my favorite of of the trio. Uh, Rewatching all three of them in a row confirmed all of that the buddy cop genre in this is just so good and you know nick nick frost and simon pegg they they already had great chemistry but to have them be buddy cops as well uh with simon pegg being this straight lace awesome officer not a cop officer uh and then uh nick frost just being somebody who you know, he's not like a total screw up or anything like that, but it's clear that he got his, you know, got the part, part's the wrong word, but got uh, to be a cop because of his dad on the force as well. Um, I thought that was just, that was just great. And just they even point out just some of the great buddy cop movies that they're, you know, paying homage to uh, with Point Break and with bad boys and everything like that. I love that part. And uh, I think this just confirmed for me that Timothy Dalton needs to do more villain roles as well. Uh, between this and one of my personal favorite shows, Chuck, he just knows how to do the mustache twirling villain role extremely well. Um, so yeah, those are just some initial thoughts on, on Hot Fuzz. Mm, yeah, uh, Timothy Dalton is... Especially on this rewatch, I just fell in love with him all over again because I remember him from childhood. I've never seen any of his James Bond movies. Um, I remember him. Uh, actually, my first exposure to him was as a villain. He was in uh, Doctor Who in um, some of the last David Tennant episodes. He was the big bad guy in his last two. So I, my first exposure to Timothy Dalton was a villain, and so naturally I sort of skew seeing him that way which i think is, is is interesting and how most people would not see him and and that's what they're sort of playing off here i think um because a lot of people seeing this would know him from 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 uh, bond but um yeah he, him and i i think this is also the best cast movie in the trilogy i think all of them are like all all of the cast are pretty much perfect but this one especially everyone I, I, you can imagine you cannot imagine anyone else in any of these roles um but yeah, uh, Shane, your thoughts. Yarb. <laughs> and just Rory McCann, oh my god. The I I lost it when I found out that that was the Hound from Game of Thrones. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? And then, of course, I love Timothy Dalton. I was just watching him be an utter piece of crap in 1923 this morning as I was watching the latest episode in that show. But like, I'm the slasher of prices and him just with that grin and the mustache and everything skinner's so great in this love it and just some love for the first like 10 minutes of this movie where we get an amazing rung of cameos from like martin freeman steve coogan and bill nye all in a row with that and the fact that peter jackson then is in this kate blanchett's in this and all these ridiculous cameos at the beginning and 
the fact that like this balance is being such a great action movie and a send up of action movies and like what Rowan alluded to earlier, this is a great like homage to the Wicker Man and like uh full car films too, which is so strange. And just the cast, even like the townspeople of Edward Woodward from the actual Wicker Man being in this, and then us getting um Belloc from Raiders of the Lost Ark, aka Ivan Ooze as well, as the Reverend in the town. And just like Jim Broadbent and like the whole the with Patty Considine and Rafe Spall and everybody, Olivia Coleman, which that's the weirdest thing. Seeing Olivia Coleman just being this ditzy fun uh policeman officer woman. Um just doing their her thing in this and just like this is like an Oscar darling at this point. But just the action that and a special thing with the editing in his movies are so amazing. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in the world's end because there's one that I absolutely lose it every single time. But just how well paced this is, this is two hours of an absolute thrill ride and joy. Love every moment. And yes, this movie's endlessly quotable. Yeah, I was, um, I, f- <laughs> I found myself mouthing along uh, with a lot of the, with, with a lot of the lines here. Sometimes not just mouthing, sometimes just actually fully saying the lines, um, which I know could be annoying uh, to, to, to some people, but I just can't not do it for a lot of this movie. Um, it's so clever. It is one of my favorite scripts of all time because almost every single line of dialogue in the first act comes back in the second or third act. Um, and in a way that actually matters to the story. Um, not just a one-off joke. Some of them are, are one-off jokes, but they're, they're just so funny that that rewatches like this is my favorite one to rewatch as well because the script is just so so perfect and this is sort of true for Shaun of the Dead and World's End too just not to the extent that it is Hot Fuzz and I guess that's the trouble with putting your best movie in the center of a trilogy that it I you know that's not intentional of course but that you know the other two can never live up to it um at least not in my opinion um which is not necessarily um a bad thing it just makes people want to keep going back i guess um but uh yeah i think that's the beauty of just this trilogy in general is that it has this it's not like an interconnected story like we do see from typical trilogies or anything like that mm-hmm. it's got literally everything for just about any anyone who loves film out there so right. that's kind of what makes this trilogy so enjoyable to me is that you can pick and choose which ones you you love the most whereas you know it's kind of hard sometimes kind of what you said rowan where you it's kind of hard to like the middle part of a trilogy because it's like well it's not introducing anybody and it's progressing mm-hmm. the plot forward but it it doesn't have that hard-hitting end to it so it's it's just nice just to i, I i'm wondering if this was like intentional that Edgar Wright had these three movies in mind that he wanted to put together. And I wonder if there was some type of method to ma- method to the madness in terms of picking which ones he wanted to do in what order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I wonder, I probably should have looked into this, but I wonder how much of a plan they actually had um, mm-hmm. when, when doing this. I'm sure it, because there's, there, there were six years in between Hot Fuzz and World's End, I can't imagine they, they knew for sure that they were going to be able to do another one. But um, boy, am I glad they did. Transition, segue, uh, The World's End, um, a, a send-up of, of science fiction and somewhat horror as well. There are, there are some horror elements here too. Um, and uh, definitely, I think this is honestly the perfect capper to this trilogy because it's, uh, you know, it's all about um, dwelling on the past and, 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 and getting older with a lot of the same cast from the other two movies. And, and that is perfect in and of itself. Uh, but uh, Shane, your thoughts on The World's End? I'm probably one of the small grouping of people that this is their favorite of the trilogy. And I don't know if it's because of how much I love science fiction, but this is, I think, the best adaptation of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers story. I just love this to pieces. And what they do with this film, the, like, the five that you have at the center of this are so pitch perfect with Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Martin Freeman, Patty Considine, and uh, Eddie Marston all together. I love the character of Gary King 
And I think he might be my favorite character in this trilogy of films. And the way that this deals with that, like, maturing aspect of life, I feel like makes this, gives us so much depth to it. And tragic. Like, this is a man really, really trying to grasp for a time in his life. And that was so much better. And there's one particular moment, one realization in this movie that, like, guts you. And you're just like, holy crap, I did not expect this movie to go there. Um, the bathroom sequence, the battle with the blacks is one Change, of the most amazing. A completely different movie at that point. I love it. Mo- most amazing thing. Also, arguably the best use of a door song. My God, the way they use the Alabama song in this, them awkwardly boom, 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 walking down the street, acting casual. And then just ha- um, also, God, Pierce Brosnan. Love Pierce Brosnan just popping up in here. <laughs> he just knows how to get Bond actors to just pop up here and be ridiculously dashing in his movies. And God, I love this. Was the movie that made me fall in love with Bill Nye. And literally all he is is a giant voice coming from the sky. That whole entire thing gets me so much. And the editing thing that I alluded to earlier that makes me laugh so hard is when they're at the first bar and it's the and then the fifth one where it's just water. I'm just like, oh my God. And that's just Edgar Wright and the editing in his movies there's so much different kinds of comedy in his films. And that's just like a pitch perfect example of something simple. You're just pouring drinks and then you get a huge laugh out of it. I love this movie. I love all these movies. Yeah. They're wonderful. This is, um, I guess not the rare trilogy where every movie is uh, pretty darn close to perfect, uh, at least for me, because I'm going to talk about some of the other ones in our, in in our trilogies uh, uh, countdown. But um, yeah, definitely. Like this is one that comes to mind when I think of trilogies, just because these are probably the least connected of the trilogies that I'm, yeah. at, at least I'm going to talk about today. And yet, still, it is like it's still incredible and feels cohesive, despite not being really connected at all, aside from the cornetto that pops up in all three of the movies and the performers, of course. Um, Ice cream. But, yeah, <laughs> Mike, your thoughts on the world's end? I this. I think this is one of my favorite opening sequences of a lot of movies out there where they kind of just go through that night or that just how they, you know, the whole process of them trying to get through the golden mile that where everybody left off and just what everyone did with that. I, I thought that sequence was, was amazing for, but the main reason also is that it does kind of remind me of those, those nights in like high school or college where it's like, Wow, we had a pretty epic night and everything like that. But then kind of something that Shane alluded to is that heart, like looking back at your past self and realizing that maybe you didn't live up to the potential that you hoped that that you would is just something that got me really good. It reminded me a little bit of um, TV show Fleischman is in Trouble, just the sense of what that was kind of going for in terms of the person that you thought you would become is not the person that you are now you have to kind of come to grips with that and i think that's one in particular where the the ending to this just hits hits you really hard and just not not entirely unexpected because the all three of these movies have very emotional scenes especially ones that are built on strong relationships and mm-hmm. um this is one in particular where you know, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, they don't have a good relationship in this. Um, and that was something that was unexpected, but also, I think, good for, for this. And I, I personally think this was, this was Nick Frost's best, best performance uh, mm-hmm. in this. As more of, a, more of a, the straight man in this, whereas in the other ones, that's, that's not him at all. So yeah. I, think, I think that was a nice touch to give Nick Frost a little bit more of a little bit more agency to be more of the straight man versus what he was in the other movies. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and he, I think, <clears throat> honestly, of all, um, of, of both of the leads, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg, I think Nick Frost is, he, he plays the most varied characters. I think his, uh, his characters, Ed and Danny and Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are definitely more similar than they are, uh, to his character in The World's End. But I think he is doing the deepest character work, which is weird because you might not think of that when you're looking at the characters from his first two movies. But honestly, he is, Every single time, the perfect foil to who, whatever character Simon Pegg is playing, who yeah. is also fantastic, by the way. Every performer in this trilogy is giving no less than their A-game. They are doing the Edgar Wright thing, and they are doing it very, very well. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, any more thoughts on The World's End before we, uh, before we move on? This didn't quite end the way that I thought it was going to, and I like that. Yeah. I, I like that. A lot, uh, simply because just the whole conversation that they have at the end about free will and what it means to be human and everything like that, um, was not expecting that, but I greatly appreciated that as someone who also loves sci-fi. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I loved how it ended, um, even if it just didn't end the way that most people would have expected it to. Mm-hmm. Uh. F it. <laughs> they, oh, gets me every time. Yeah, um, quite a year. Uh, quite a year. Uh, Bill Nye had uh, in 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 2013. Both movies we've covered now. World's End and uh, a, About Time, giving two. It's so incredibly different performances. Well, because um, Hot Fuzz came out in 07, right? Yep. Did wait a minute. At World's End, come out. In 07. That was 07 too, yeah. <laughs> so, Bill Nye has a couple of great years. <laughs> oh my god. Between yeah. him being a disembodied voice in this, About Time, and Davy Jones, more people need to give some Bill Nye respect here. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. I'm so glad he got an Oscar nomination this year yeah. for living. He deserved it. Mm-hmm. I love him so much. Yeah. Every single time I say his name to someone who doesn't know who I'm talking about, they're always like, the science guy? And I have to go, no, 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 no. Bill Nighy, not Nye. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Do you fear death? <laughs> um, Just say that back to them exactly. and then see how they react. I They'll bet be it would like, be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, unfortunately, uh, my... Uh, so Letterboxd is down right now, so I'm unable to access my ranked list of all the movies we've talked about on this show uh, so far right now. Um, but I can confidently say that um, I know for a fact Hot Fuzz is number one, uh, and I believe, uh, and I remember from looking at it yesterday, Shaun of the Dead and World's End are both in the top ten. I will get exact placements next week, but I know all three of them are in uh, the, the top ten of the, of, of the movies we have talked about so far and rightly so. so as i mentioned earlier some of my favorite movies of all time uh, but shane where do they where, where or approximately at least where do they rank for you well, yes i have my my spreadsheet uh, so so cool my god this spreadsheet's ridiculous um <laughs> i have the world's end at number four mm-hmm. hot fuzz at number five and then sean of the dead at number eight nice <laughs> so basically Still the top ten yeah I love all these movies so much. And, like, they're, like, sprinkled in there with, like, the Hateful Eight, Pop Star, About Time, and then Incendies right below them. So, yeah, that's very different. It's like yeah. just seeing Shaun of the Dead and Incendies popping up next to each other. Just like, hmm, which one am I going to watch for a fun time? <laughs> Definitely Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. Um, but we do have two categories to talk about today. Um, we are going to talk about our top five trilogies and our top five <clears throat> from the year 2007, because of the three years that we could talk about today, we have already covered uh, 2004 and 2013. We covered 2004 when talking about Miracle uh, and also, um, yeah, uh, yeah, when, when we talked about Miracle and then 2013 when we talked about uh, about time, which was our second um, episode with a guest that you should definitely mm-hmm. check out. We did that one with uh, a editor Robert. Um, but uh, yeah, so today we are going to talk about the year two thousand and seven as well as trilogy. So let's t- start with uh, let's start with two thousand and seven uh, instead of instead of ending with that. Um, the year, I, I mean, this was 
I, I wasn't really watching a lot of movies at this point. I was <clears throat> I was four for most of this year. Um, but uh, I <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, but still, looking back on it, quite a quite a good movie year from from what I can tell. Um, so, uh, Mike, why don't you start us off? Your top five uh, in uh, ascending order. So, starting with five and going to one um, from the year 2007. Okay, so. My number five, um, this is more of a guilty pleasure one. Um, I'm not sure how well-received it is, but my, my number five is Stardust. I love the movie Stardust so much. Um, it's borderline underrated now. Um, it's a pretty decent adaptation from the Neil Gaiman book, which is also great if you have not have not read that. Um but it's it sports a really great cast with uh, baby Charlie Cox yeah. in this uh, pre like way before Daredevil and this is something that I bring up to people when they're like I don't know him in anything else like go watch Stardust and yeah you'll you'll appreciate that uh, Claire Danes is fantastic in this and Robert De Niro just he goes for it in this and I I greatly appreciated that so uh so stardust at number five number four is harry potter and the order of the phoenix um this is my this is my favorite harry potter book um which i get a lot of crap for because it's like you like the book with all the bureaucracies and all that stuff I'm like yes yes i do fight me but anyways <laughs> i i thought this movie was you know among one of the more faithful adaptations in the harry potter series and just that entire end sequence when they're at the ministry of magic is just magic dare i say i guess so it's just it's so good and um i really i really enjoyed harry potter and the uh and the order of the phoenix uh my number three is ratatouille uh, I remember seeing Ratatouille in Washington, D.C. when I was uh, interning uh, in, in D.C. that summer. And uh, the place that I was working for, they gave me the night off. And I was like, <laughs> I'm in Georgetown. I don't have a lot. I don't know anyone here. So I guess I'll go see a movie. And the only one that kind of fit in my time frame for when I could you know, see a movie and have to get back to campus was Ratatouille. And like boy am i am i glad that i saw that there it's just the whole concept of anybody can cook is just you know is really great i love it so much um and uh, it's just it's it's in the middle of pixar's you know this is these are pixar's golden years uh mm -hmm. when when ratatouille was out so uh that's my number three my number two my number two is zodiac i I really like Zodiac. It's one of David Fincher's underappreciated ones. It doesn't get mentioned a lot when uh, people like talk about David Fincher's better movies, uh, which is a shame because it's it's just so expertly done and just uh, a great story. Robert Downey Jr. in this is fantastic. Um, I, I really like Zodiac, and my my number one is There Will Be Blood. Uh, mm. Just it's it stinks that there will be blood came out the same year as i'm hoping one of you two will bring it up at some point or another because it just missed my top five but it's a shame that there will be but blood came out the same year as no country for old men because mm -hmm. i oh, feel like, i know one of us is going to be mentioning that <laughs> yeah so i feel because i feel like if if there will be blood would have come out a, a different year this would get this would would have gotten a lot more awards accolades but you know it came up against no country for old men which is a great a great movie within itself and judging by what rowan said someone's going to talk about it soon so uh but there will be blood uh daniel day lewis that's all i'm gonna say just daniel day lewis just <laughs> doing his thing as usual so uh that's that's my top five from 2007 very nice. Uh, Shane, your top five from 2007. There's definitely a lot of crossover here. Um, my number five is Ratatouille. And this is one that I didn't appreciate as much when I first watched it when I was younger. 
But as you get older, I feel like a lot of people are going to realize Ratatouille is one of the best Pixar movies out there. Um, there's no like big explosions or super crazy, like fun, but it's like, it's so deep. And that moment with Anton ego eating the Ratatouille and just being like, wow, that that's something special right there. Food has food has power, you know, and that's, that's something that just really resonated with me on, on that one. So good, good pick. Number four is Zodiac, which also definitely something that is a film that not enough people give enough credit when they talk about Fincher because they're probably talking about Fight Club, which <laughs> apparently they're not supposed to. Um, but they do it anyway. But just the trio of actors in this between Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo, and Robert Downey Jr., they took a Fincher took a chance with like three actors who were not like big name central stars to lead this film and it paid off and that basement scene my god it's one of the most tense scenes that have nothing happen in it uh, so uh, my number three is hot fuzz and i won't say anything more because we literally just talked about it my number two is there will be blood which has the greatest which i would argue is the greatest performance in the history of cinema daniel Plainview. i wrote about there will be blood for my senior thesis a business education, how society, how film has changed society's outlook on business because, oh, what a bastard Daniel Plainview is. And just the powerhouse dynamic between him and Paul Dano in this movie <laughs> is something else. And my number one, which is No Country for Old Men, um, because this is one of the two Coen Brothers movies in my top 10 favorite films of all time. I had a fun one, and then this one, which honestly is shockingly funny at times, where it's just like, I feel bad I'm laughing, because this movie is so dark. Um, but just the tr- just the trio of performances from Josh Brolin, um, Javier Bardem, and I love Tommy Lee Jones in those so much. And I wish he got more attention for this, honestly. And I can't I can't read the book. And read all those monologues from Sheriff Tom Bell without listening to his voice saying it. And this is one of the most perfectly directed and realized films of visual storytelling and subversion of narrative I think I've seen put to film. Boom. What a year, 2007. What a year. And uh, you guys have pretty similar lists, and mine is kind of going off the beaten path, but in a in an interesting way. Go for way. it, Rowan. Uh, my number five is The Simpsons Movie, because I grew up with The Simpsons, and I think the movie is hysterical. Just Epa! Not just a full-length episode, but using the, using the feature format to its advantage and doing what only, like, peak Simpsons writers could do. And, uh, like, I, I know the episodes around this time we're good, not as amazing as the first couple seasons, but still pretty good. But then, but the movie just blew everything out of the water. Um, and I know they've talked about doing another one. I think they should personally. Um, but if they don't, I'm glad that at least one exists and that it is the Simpsons movie. Uh, my number four is There Will Be Blood for all the reasons that you guys have mentioned. Just absolutely astonishing and disturbing and everything in between. Uh, number three is Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, because. <laughs> 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 Kicks off the, uh, the the musical biopic parody uh, craze that really isn't really a craze, but it I am still going to call it that. Um, and it gave it us a pop star exactly in just perfect, perfect fashion with one of the best like um, one of the best. Uh, I don't know if I can call it this, but like a cameo cast that there is had me looking at this, had me pointing at the screen, being the Leonardo DiCaprio meme the entire movie. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, so Walk Hard is just stellar, and I've been listening to the soundtrack uh, ever since I watched it. Um, <laughs> number two is Trick or Treat, which is uh, the uh, sort of horror anthology uh, film that mm-hmm. runs at a brisk like eighty minutes, I think. Uh, so perhaps one of the perfect, one of the more perfect film runtimes um, to ever exist, and also. It, I don't think this movie is necessarily as amazing as I as my its place in my list suggest. I just think it's very very well done and very clever, especially in how everything ties together. 
Um, and I think that I, I think it deserves a lot of credit um, purely for that. And number one is Hot Fuzz. Uh, and we, we've, we've talked a lot about Hot Fuzz today, but just so, so stunning in, in every technical um, aspect and uh, hilarious besides. So yeah, th- those are my top five for uh, 2007. Now, um, our top five trilogies. This is going to be a fun one. This is a category that I've been excited for for the last couple of weeks. Um, Shane, you're up first. Uh, your top five favorite trilogies. I have a feeling there's going to be a decent amount of decent amount of crossover for for all of us uh, for this one. But we I shall- think you could probably guess what number one is. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> my number five is the Before trilogy. I never thought I would fall in love with a romance as much as I fell in love with these films. And what I love about it is like the first one is such a tender just connection between two people and then the second one's one of those kinds of things where it's like you haven't seen somebody in such a long time in that reconnect and then my god midnight just punches you in the face (laughs) like bam um with a very mature look at marriage and which also my wife hates before midnight so much because of one very specific thing that um does not happen, I guess, after some things are revealed, but it I feel like it's very real and a really challenging conclusion to this trilogy, which I hope we get another one just popping up, and then this won't be a trilogy anymore, but whatever. Um, my number four is the Cornetto trilogy, which I'm not going to say anything else because, boom, we talked about it. My number three is also another trilogy that is just a loosely drawn together trio films which is the dollars trilogy aka the man with no name trilogy which basically is like is clint eastwood playing the same character in all of them maybe um and this is like fistful of dollars is such a great adaptation of yo jimbo or just rip off because i don't think they got permission um for a few dollars more, that dynamic between him and Lee Van Cleef, and then the prequel of it all, because this one takes place before the other ones, The Good and Bad and the Ugly is one of my favorite films of all time, and has literally my favorite scene in it, that cemetery standoff at the end, and just three amazing characters, and some of the best direction and music I've ever seen in a film. My number two is the modern Planet of the Apes trilogy, because I know... The original one had five movies in it. Um, Just Rise of the Planet of the Apes was such a great just rebirth of this franchise. And then Matt Reeves picked it up and was like, what if I made some of the best films, period, of the 2000s about apes? And Andy Serkis gave one of the best performances of the 2000s as an ape. And they made it. And it happened. And it still doesn't get enough respect. And also why I am so excited about his Batman trilogy, because what he did with Planet of the Apes. And my number one's Lord of the Rings. They're my favorite films, and they're perfect in every way, and I love them. And I'm going to leave it at that. There we go. Uh, Mike, your top five trilogies. This was this was trickier than I thought it was going to be, because you know I, I tried to stick with trilogies that had just three movies in it, because there's a lot of there's a lot of series out there where I'm looking at like the first three and I'm like, okay, these are great. And then a fourth one comes out and be like, mm. could have, could have done without, could have, could have done without that one. Um, just why, you know, certain, certain things are not on this list, unfortunately, but my, my number five is, um, again, something that we alluded to earlier. It is really hard to stick stick the landing on on a trilogy of movies uh and no uh, you know no more prevalent than this uh with my my number five is the godfather trilogy um because those first two are just the best that you are gonna get from cinema and then the third one exists which the third one is still part three is still good, but it it just does not reach the heights that the first first two do. But that still doesn't change the fact that these three are among some of the best, at least in particular the first two uh, has for Hollywood to offer. So um, so number five Godfather trilogy. My number four is also the Cornetto trilogy um, for all the reasons that we have just talked about. Um, 
my number three is the How to Train Your Dragon series. Mm. And one that I remember watching the first How to Train Your Dragon movie and was just blown away by how how amazing it was. And it just showed like, wow, DreamWorks can actually make something comparable to what Pixar and even Disney to some extent or another was doing. And then the other two just still just great stories, just expanding on this friendship between Hiccup and um, and Toothless. Just really great. A lot of heart. Really, really enjoyed all of them. Um, my number two is this most is uh, the Tom Holland Spider-Man mm. movies, which um, again just the the middle one of this isn't as strong in in my opinion, but Homecoming is is great, and then No Way Home, just the way to cap off this uh, this trilogy of of movies. Um, it was a toss up between this and uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. I just enjoyed my time a lot more with. Uh, with the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. And then my number one is Lord of the Rings because it's Lord of the Rings. Um, I love it so much. The Two Towers is my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I even have a part of uh, that quote that Sam uh, Sam says at the end, uh, there's some good in this world and worth fighting for tattooed on, on my shoulder. Nice. I love it that much. So mm-hmm. that's my top trilogies. Very nice. Um, so less less crossover than I initially thought, which I think is good. Uh, we can we can we can spotlight more that way. Um, I left the Cornetto trilogy off my list just in uh, in favor of of talking about other things, but it would definitely be be somewhere on there. Um, number five for me is the Fear Street trilogy, uh, which came out on Netflix um, in 2021, one week after the other, uh, in, in one of the best, um, sort of marketing stunts for a film series I've ever seen. Um, I don't necessarily think these are incredible movies, but I think the level of connection and cohesion between them is astounding. And just the way that they were able to make all three of them at once, uh, just made it all the better. Uh, and I, I don't know, screw it. I have fun with these movies. I think they're great. Uh, number four is the Back to the Future trilogy. Um, I oh God, these movies are so good. The first one, talking about great scripts with Hot Fuzz, the first Back to the Future has another one of my favorite scripts uh, of any movie ever. Uh, and number two, I, I might even um, enjoy watching more than I like one. I think one is a far better movie, but I think two is just a lot more fun in what it chooses to do, just in terms of like the bouncing all around uh, with the time travel. And number three is fun too. It's, it's not a patch on the first two, but it's still really, really good. Um, it has easy top. Exactly. In the old West. <laughs> uh, number three is the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, that would be Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Um, this is a total nostalgia pick for me, but these are also just amazing, amazing films. Um, number two is the Before trilogy, for all the reasons Shane mentioned. Uh, it makes me makes me feel something every time and uh there's not many movies and uh not many collections of uh, of of three movies uh no less that are able to do that um to the extent and effectiveness that this one can and number one is the lord of the rings what more could be said uh, i think we can officially say that that is the best uh, rowan and the wasteland in general uh trilogy of all time because I mean, Boom, you'd, in you'd, writing, exactly. I mean, you'd you'd be hard pressed to disagree. The Lord of the Rings are just fantastic. I'm doing a rewatch next month, which I'm really excited about. Um, and uh, yeah, just stellar, stellar films all across the board. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, Mike, thank you very, very much for joining us uh, for for this episode, uh, episode number forty of Rowan in the Wasteland. Thanks for thanks for thinking of me for this. I, I greatly greatly appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Of course. Of course. Um, and uh, next week, we'll be talking about, uh, in, in the way that I tend to cheat on some of my picks, uh, we're going to talk about Over the Garden Wall, which is a miniseries, but cumulatively only the length of a feature film. So we're, we're, so we're talking about the same amount of, amount of time here, just uh, individualized within little episodes. So you have that to look forward to next week, uh, and that is going to be a lot of fun. And I don't know, we're at episode 40, but episode 50 and then 52 is going to be here right around the corner um and so i don't know we may have something fun planned for them we may not have
have we haven't talked about it yet, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I I think it's going to be great. This year has just honestly flown by, and 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 I, I'm glad that this that this podcast has been there um, throughout all of it. It's one of my favorite things to look forward to each week. Um, but anyway, so uh, Mike, we'll start with you. Where can people find you if they want to hear more from you uh, in terms of pop culture? Uh, so uh, as Rowan said, I, I write for Sif Pop, so you can check out all my stuff on SifPop.com. I, I write about TV predominantly. I occasionally throw in a movie review at least once a quarter, so... Uh, you know, but I mainly talk about TV. But you can find me at uh, on Twitter at Hilti underscore Mike, um, and then you can also find me on Letterboxd or Serialized, which is the TV equivalent, uh, at mhilti twenty four. Uh, so you can check out what I'm what I'm watching, and then also I usually post all my reviews um, on that. So that's where you can find me. Very nice. And uh, Shane, what about you? Easiest thing is to go to the Wasteland Reviewer Instagram page so you can look at where I shamelessly plug everything that I do for Sif Pop, for Scribe Magazine, the Wasteland Reviewer YouTube channel, which both of these gentlemen pop up in quite a bit of my content too, so that's a lot of fun. And also shamelessly plugging my own podcast, The Cinematic Wasteland, where one man's passion for film takes you through the history of cinema. I had a, I did a soft reboot. We're going on three, th- episode three is going to come out and four around sometime soon. So we'll see. Very, very nice. Um, you can find me at uh, thelenientcritic.com where I talk about movies and stuff. Uh, it's great. I'm right now. I mean, I guess at this point, this episode will not come out <clears throat> until uh, until the end of March. So the Oscars will have long passed. But I'm doing a thing where I talk about um, every single Oscar nominee uh, in an article and break down their chances of winning and what I think about each one. It's great. It's going great. Uh, not not too much work at all. Um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, also at uh, uh, Bits of Joel on Twitter if you're interested um, in that as well. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you guys very much uh, for, for listening uh, out there. We really, really appreciate it, especially if you've gotten uh, to the end of the episode. It means a lot. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, thank you guys out there again. Thank you, Mike. And uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Rowan and the Wasteland.